Dunn spun away, looking, shooting! Dunn with a goal! What's good, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Diaspora United. I am Andre Carlisle here, as always, with my co-host, Courtney. Courtney, how are you doing? Doing fine, considering, honestly, I feel like days don't matter anymore, if I'm being my most (laughs) honest self. They don't. And so, you know, just chugging along, doing a whole bunch of scenarios um, about how Gotham could just do some bonkers things. Uh, during this international break so you know just we're trying to live my best life yo we're gonna get into it but the playoff scenarios and gotham creeping up on, on it, like i'm excited this is gonna be bonkers but before we get into all that uh wanted to thank y'all for listening sticking with us um and also uh read a review like we normally do gonna kind of kind of get back to our regular structure a little bit been a been a little while before we've uh been, been a while <laughs> i'm gonna try that again it's been a while since we read a review uh, on the podcast, so we can go ahead and do that. This one is from Rad Judy Garland. Okay, Ooh. sure thing. Um, it reads: If you believe in Casey Kruger's supremacy, we do. The power do. of Crystal Dunn in midfield, oh, we do. The obvious okay. excellence of Cat Mercario and Ife Hanumanu, oh, we do. The goodness of Sodom Lee, we do. And you fully support the Sid LaRue Revenge Tour, we do. This is the podcast for you. Makes me feel sane after hours spent listening to other podcasts who devote way too much time and praise to other, in parentheses, white players. Thank you for being a voice of reason in a sea of nonsense. Rad Judy Garland, thank you. That is so nice. I do believe in all of that supremacy. Uh, not only Sid LaRue, but everyone else that you just mentioned. What I mean, truly, that's the purpose of this podcast. <laughs> I was guaranteed to say, that's the ethos right there. That's it. That's why the podcast exists. And so we are, we are always thankful when somebody drops a review that really nails it because that's what we try to do. Um, we know there are plenty. If you want to hear how great some of the white players are, there's plenty of places to go. Uh, but we're going to make sure we're <laughs> elevating the black players because they deserve it and are underappreciated. Uh, and we're going to keep doing it. Even even if we change the, the media landscape and they are no longer underappreciated, which <laughs> we got a lot of work to do. But even if, we're still going to be here shouting, hollering, uh, hooting, hollering, doing all those things uh, about the players because they deserve it. And it's dope. So um all good yeah if you listen to us on a uh, podcast app that allows you to rate rate and review the podcast please do that we really really appreciate it uh helps us grow helps other new people find us so uh please drop a review if you can yes please please rate and review so what we're going to do is we're going to get into some nwsl news then we're going to get into the scores a little bit it's going to be kind of fun to talk about that we're going to get into the playoff scenarios as well then we're going to take a break and uh, look at the upcoming international break and what's going on. Uh, plus, we're going to have Heated and Hype. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that's it. Uh, Courtney, do you want to get us started or did I miss anything? Nope, that's everything. So to get us started, we're just going uh, to go over some WOSO news off the top. The first thing is uh, the NWSL announced the hiring of Marla Messing as an interim CEO. Um, and with her hiring, that means the dissolvement of the executive search committee, but it also means, and this was a question that I had, and I didn't know if any other people also had it, but while she is interim CEO, she will be leading the charge for the new commissioner of the league. I know myself personally, when I saw like CEO, I was like, 
are they doing away with the commissioner role? Um, but nope. Uh, and I mean, I have personally never heard of her um, because of my age. <laughs> um, and yeah, so she's been hired. There's been a lot of people have had some opinions. People always have a lot of opinions. Um, but she was a quote that I actually read um, was she was really instrumental with the 99 World Cup. And specifically, I remember uh, the quote I read julie foudy the gist of what she said was that you know a lot of people said that they like they should do small like yeah small regional stadiums really kind of tone like keep things like pretty toned down um and messing was like no should go for the moon and she was also vice president and you know it depends how you feel about the olympics and paralympics but she was the vice president of the los angeles olympic and paralympic bid committee um and has worked with the mls specifically lafc and um actually with barcelona so it's like, I guess what I was potentially, I mean, I don't know why I was surprised that they had announced someone, um, but I guess what I was kind of expecting in this role of someone to like quell things, if I'm being my most honest self, because I think the league right now is in so much turmoil that and people are potentially like afraid that the league might fold. And so I feel like bringing in a person like her who has a lot of like, like soccer institutional knowledge and just keeping things quell, like that's fully what I expect from this role. Um because I'm also assuming probably by, I'm assuming by the end of this season going into 2022, they should have announced a, com- a commissioner by then. Um, so I wouldn't expect her to like be in this position for very long, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that we always want from the NWSL and actually not even want like need is transparency. And I think, you know, laying out a timeline, you know, letting us know when they want um, a new commissioner, you know, what some of those talks that are ongoing, obviously not going to set up a Zoom and let us sit in on all of them, but, you know, just giving us a timeline because this seemed to be kind of announced out of nowhere. Like I didn't know they were looking for an interim that would be replaced and I didn't know that the uh, executive committee would disband as soon as they got somebody. Like the executive committee committee seemed like they had a lot of duties, right? They they put mm-hmm. out that statement when they were first formed and it seemed like they had a lot that they were going to do and suddenly they're no more. So I just think, and, and I'm supposing that they're figuring out, <laughs> figuring it all out as they go as well. So maybe they, that's one reason why they can't be transparent, but I would, I would hope that, and I would like them to be more organized so that they can be more transparent about some of these processes. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. And I think, especially if, and I think for this, because the league is in so much turmoil right now, like I think like probably number one is like to steady things. But then I'm af- like after things are steadied, I think that's when I will potentially have like a lot more thoughts of like, is this person successful at this role? Or like what, for example, changes that need to happen going forward um, yeah. past, you know, really just kind of getting through the end of this season, which is somehow coming really fast, but also really slow. <laughs> Accurate. Very yeah and then and then of course as we always say bringing some more black people black and brown people into the room um yeah because andre what's your favorite thing to elisa's and emma emma emily <laughs> i can't remember what that was but i think it's two what what was it two lisas i believe there were two megs two megs or megan's uh <laughs> i think there was a mitch as well so like yeah that, that yeah that, that whatever that front office was it was um the opposite of diverse. So we can move move on to the next the next bit of uh, NWSL news, and and we're going to talk after this. We're going to get into the the scores and the playoff race and all that. Um, but did want to mention um, Sam Lewis and Lynn Williams's podcast Snacks. Um, that is their back, I believe, for their second season. Uh, they have been. It's been an incredible listen. 
obviously a lot of things have happened um, to both of them, both individually and obviously together as, as you know, members of this league. And they're doing a really good job of talking through it. Um, and one thing that was mentioned um, was the impetus behind the formation of the Black Women's Player Collective, um, which mirrors, Lynn said something that mirrors something that we heard uh, when we had the Gotham Family Reunion uh, on our podcast and we were talking to Ifi Anamanu about it, uh, also Imani Dorsey and Estelle Johnson. So, uh, Courtney, do you want to let us uh, kind of refresh everybody on what Ifi said and then I'll run through what Lynn said and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit because, oh boy. Yeah, and we're going to link the, if you have not listened to it, we're going to link the Gotham Family Reunion uh, episode in the show notes. Um, also because, I mean, besides talking about BWPC, like, it's a great episode. Um, in the middle of it, I'm terrified of ocean animals and all animals um, because of Bonnie <laughs> Dorsey <laughs> uh, just being terrified. Um, uh, but such a fun interview. <laughs> but in the interview, uh, we'd asked uh, Ify, you know, so what was kind of, you know, that that spark moment that really caused the formation of the BWPC. The gist of what Evie said was that it all started in Utah during the Challenge Cup. And to make a long story short, there was a statement that was put out by the league. And they were basically putting out on behalf of everyone in the league, including black players. But the black players in the league did not approve of the statement and that the statement did not show the voice, but also, for example, the feelings of the black players, which completely mimics what, Lynn said on the Snacks podcast. Uh, here's what Lynn had to say, uh, which mirrors what Evie said uh, about the 2020 Challenge Cup. Um, quote, we were trying to play soccer to the best of our ability in a pandemic, but then at the same time having all these really hard race conversations and trying to explain to our teammates why, why it was important to us to kneel. Uh, she continues and says, quote, I think the moment that the league put out the statement that we, referring to the black NWSL players, were all feeling supported when we had been talking behind closed doors about how we are not feeling support was definitely the turning point um, for the creation of the Black Women's Player Collective. So I wanted to touch on like a couple things there. You know, one is I'm, I'm glad that the players are now, you know, obviously feeling comfortable in speaking out and speaking up. And I think the more platforms and more places where you hear black players doing that, absolutely pay attention and elevate their voices because it is incredibly important. I also want to note that think about, to me, just how cruel that is, cruel of a thing it is for the league to have done. To speak on behalf of the Black players, think about, think of, put yourself back in 2020 and think about that moment. You know, the pandemic was, was you know, everybody, uh, there are a few people who thought like, okay, we'll do this thing for a couple of weeks and then it'll be over. And obviously it, it's still going on. Um, but think about how devastating that was. Think about Breonna Taylor. Think about George Floyd. Think about Ahmaud Arbery. Think about all of what was going on that summer with the protests. You know, you got city officials reacting scared and painting Black Lives Matter on the streets instead of actually taking real real action to, to stop, you know, p police brutality. I uh, remember the conversations about defunding the police and how it was a bad slogan. And when people were saying, okay, but actually look at the pie chart of, of city budgets, why the police have so much money, why are they responding to mental health crises and things like that? And why are they reckless? Why are you paying so much money out to families of victims of, of police brutality? All of that stuff, right? Think about the weight of all of that that was going on. And the NWSL, puts out a statement saying, we're all good. We're supporting our players. And the players themselves were like, first of all, y'all ain't even ask us. 
So I don't know how you're speaking for us. And then think about the fact that they basically had to confide in a group chat because everybody had to be in their own specific bubbles in Utah of all places to be while like the most radical energy for like actual like confronting racism, racial injustices, like people were in the streets and they were trapped in a bubble in Utah, only being able to text one another via a group chat. Think about the place that they were in at that time. And just think about how cruel it is that the league at that time was like, hey, everything's all good. We all support the black players. Black trailers are feeling great. That's just, to me, it's just like, I, I know Lisa Baird is gone, but it's just, it's one of those things that is so frustrating to me. And it, am I surprised by it? Of course not. Like, this is what, <laughs> what kind of happens. Like, every time the, the spotlight kind of turns up on like racial inequality, every, every like, uh, the the thing for most, especially like businesses and corporations to do is all of a sudden be like, we're great. We don't have a single problem. And it's like, <laughs> why are y'all saying that? <laughs> like, I don't trust your voice in this at all. So I'm not surprised, but it is like, it's it's frustrating. And I feel it just puts that whole 2020 in a completely different light than how it was presented. Yeah, completely. And I'm also, for example, not, I'm, I'm not surprised, for example, that if he had alluded to the same thing, but it was, for example, an illusion versus going out and being able to speak freely about it. And yeah, the thing that does not surprise me about that is the fact that now Lisa Baird is gone. Yeah. Yep. That is yes. a very, very relevant and important point, I think. Yeah. And I mean, it like, so I went back trying to look for the statement. If anyone has a safe copy of it, just <laughs> DM us, please, because I want to see it. Because um, that time was honestly so wild. But I also remember, for example, so I was looking back on the NWSL's Twitter timeline because I was like, oh, if they if there's a statement, they'll normally tweet it out like with a photo. And one tweet, one tweet that I came upon. Oh my, oh my. Uh, it's for some reason. It's still up, but I also like don't want to mention it because that means they're gonna take it down. Maybe I should take a screenshot right now. Um was basically that, you know, that really I would actually describe this moment as a really private moment between Casey Kruger and Julie Ertz. When they're kneeling, and obviously, um, it's a very emotional moment. It was kind of crazy that we watched it in real time because I was like, "This feels like something I should not be seeing." Yep. But we know, for example, footage from that moment was included in a highlight reel of the day from what was going on in the NWSL. But they also took that moment, of course, made it black and white, and for then effect. tweeted for effect, and then tweeted out a photo of it saying, "This moment and this movement means everything to our players." Hashtag Black Lives Matter obnoxious how dare you obnoxious truly how dare you how many times like it's it's kind of a funny thing of like have you really learned nothing like how many times have we seen black plant black pain on display mm -hmm. and then you go and not only you make it a part of your fun highlight reel video but then you go and you still go out and tweet it like it's supposed to be this big moment that you should in theory be celebrating because that's really what it is from your social copy, saying this moment and this movement means everything to our players. Yeah, that's the other thing. They just went ahead and, and made it like all inclusive and acted like everything was all good. Like, like this is how our league is. Black and white are together in harmony. We knew at the time that that wasn't true. And they just straight up ignored it. And then, you know, so you have that layer. Obviously, you have the, the exploiting black pain layer. Then you, of course, have the white savior layer with, with you know, Julie Ertz being the one who was singled out as, oh, look at her. You know, we know she wasn't kneeling in protest. 
she was kneeling to be beside her friend who was in, you know, who was experiencing a lot of emotions at the time, you know, Casey Kruger. So like you have all of these layers and they couldn't see any of them and were just like, throw that out there and get the engagement, get the pass on the back for people who aren't going to, who aren't black, who aren't going to see this and know what this means and look at this any other way than, you know, thumbs up, look at America. We are a great melting pot. Like get out of here with that nonsense. I was so, seeing that photo now still makes me so upset. Yeah. Literally like searching for that and seeing that and then just talking about it right now, I'm like even more frustrated. Like I'm literally so frustrated and it's like, oh, the, like the fact, the fact that it's leaked, it's the fact that this league still has black players, black fans, black staff, like in, like, uh, you know, at clubs, stuff like that. Oh, deeply frustrating. But, you know, we have to, I guess. I mean, look, the the players now have an even larger platform with the creation of BWPC. Um, to, you know, continue talking about these issues, put some good pressure on the league, um, and also make, you know, real change, even if it's not, for example, in the league um, or through their clubs, but through this organization they like if you guys haven't heard um mitch touched on a bunch of different things on the snacks podcast episode about stuff that bwpc um is doing and it touches really all parts of soccer of you know many pitches but also working with co- like working with coaches um there are a lot of different aspects of it so the league is probably still going to do frustrating stuff and there's probably still still going to be deeply frustrating stuff happening within the world of women's soccer but at least now that they're like the players have a little bit of power to make change. Yeah, I, this is this is kind of the thing, right? Like we take black people are so used to doing this is we take the nonsense, we take the bullshit, we take all of that and we turn it around. And honestly, we shouldn't have to. And it's frustrating that we do, but we have to turn around and just do it our damn selves. And so I am glad that obviously the Black Women's Player Collective is a thing. Um, I love that. You know, they have a website. I love the initiatives that are coming, the ones that are there. I cannot wait for the call-up series to drop. Like they are doing so many things, but also keep in mind it's because they have to. It's because their voices were not being heard. Not even voices not being heard. They weren't even being asked. And that's the thing. The mm-hmm. league was just like, oh, well, you know, we're, you have no say in the matter. You're doing fine. And we're going to put on this front face. Yeah, we're, we're going to put this on front. We're going to completely ignore your emotions and your feelings and how and things and any any real structural things we need to do. Like we're going to avoid that microscope and we're just going to put on the, the the veneer that everything's OK. And it's just really frustrating. So um, I just want to, you know, I know that happened, you know, what uh, it feels like 30 years ago. So, <laughs> But uh, but I just wanted to with with Lynn bringing it back up and, and Midge bringing it back up on the Snacks podcast. Um and also, you know, not to not to do this, but I think if you're a white person listening to this, I think you can also listen to uh, Sam Mewis and how she talks about a lot of these issues, um, because you don't only have to like, I think it's important for you to hear, like, I, I think one issue, <laughs> this can go in a deeper discussion. So I, I kind of want to just say this and then and I don't I won't go into it deeper. But I think one issue that a lot of white people end up having is that nobody really models um racial solidarity with them for them and so i don't really know what to do or say so the more white people you can hear that understand these issues that can speak on them i think it's better so that you understand that you can do this as a white person not only can you but you should and it is your role yeah exactly 100 percent um and also of course if you can support like donate to the bwpc 
I'm, I mean, I'm really excited about the work uh, that they're going to do. I'm also really excited about merch if uh, whenever <laughs> they decide to drop it. But we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with uh, going over truly all this insane NWSL scores, what the table looks like, my crazy math, figuring out potential playoff <laughs> scenarios for Gotham. Uh, and then we're going to run through some Woso around the world because we actually have an international break coming up. Um, and then we'll take a few heated and hype and get right out of here. So stay with us. All right, and we are back to talk about this past weekend in the NWSL. Still bonkers. I don't think it's ever not bonkers. Um, (laughs) But, you know, going, I guess, just actually going in chronological order, the first match of the weekend was, and we talked about this before, Racing Louisville 3, Orlando Pride 1. Ebony Salmon got a goal and two assists. That is three goal contributions for Ebony Salmon. I got a question for you, Courtney. Still out here balling. What's the question? Is Ebony Salmon good at soccer? Since she's literally been balling out in the NWSL and has also not even been here for as long as as many people and still is racking up them goals. Yeah, so and and that's kind of the, the, the annoying thing is that you look at a player who's been that effective and she hasn't been here for the entire season and she's been this effective already. And you're looking at one of the top, like in the league, one of the top like goal contribution, like leaders in terms of goals and assists. She has, the numbers are incredible. And it's just like, I mean, it, the annoying thing is like, we knew what she could do. You don't have to like, I, I don't care what your computers told you. And I'm not an anti like stats person. I actually love the stats, right? I love, I love getting in there and understanding because I do think that in, in, a, in a sport like soccer, the players play so much where like sample sizes are important like you can get good representative samples and data from players it's kind of like why baseball is so stats focused because they play a thousand games a season and so you can actually look at stats to get trends and understand better who a player is and isn't but that's the other thing though when you look at ebony salmon in her game and you see how good she already is you notice how young she is and like we mentioned at the time one of the best leagues she could ever go to is the NWSL because it is such a transition league and her game is tailor-made for that. Maybe you don't expect her to come in and light it up the way that she has, but calling her overrated is just bonkers. So like, yeah, I'm so glad she's been balling out. We completely expected it. One hundred. I mean, truly 100%. I mean, we saw what she did with Bristol City in the WSL and she was still banging goals even in a team that was relegated like she was still doing so well so yeah we 100 percent uh expected it and you know to me it's always like a really good um measure in life of if everyone's like this person's good and you're like no actually they're trash listen (laughs) listen to the majority it's like especially when it comes to sports like it's it's really not that hard but you know orlando are out of the playoffs they like out. that i think it's to me the i mean we know that for example portland clinched the shield this weekend but to me that's like the really big story because if you remember from the first what seven or eight games of the season that orlando were <laughs> leading the league um i remember when they got that you know that really big win over portland and it was like a big deal of like oh like orlando are in it for the long haul um and so 
or well long haul is in like they're in it for the rest of the season so the fact that they dropped out is um you know a little sad Sibiru did not deserve it I still think she has a really great case for MVP of the season but it's just really unfortunate that like her and her consistent effort over this past season isn't like rewarded with the playoff push yeah, and you know what? I want to I want to say something about folks too because some people are are trying to like pat themselves on the back to be like, oh, we told y'all that that you can't trust Orlando, or we told y'all that they were gonna collapse or they weren't that good and all that. And it's like, yo, is it really? Should you really be patting yourself on the back for something like that? Given the season that That's they so had, rude. like given what they went through this season, I mean, you could say that for a lot of teams in the NWSL because there's obviously, as we know, there's been a lot of shit going down. But I just think it's ridiculous to be like, we told y'all they weren't going to make it. And it's like, all right, they got eliminated from the playoffs with like two games remaining to go. It ain't like they completely fell all the way off and and like we're never going to have a chance to make it. But I mean, think about what they went through. I mean, their coach basically just deserted them in the middle of the season. We also know that like you heard the quotes there. They clearly felt some type of way about that, right? We remember the the quotes that they were saying like, you know, we are the most prepared we've ever been in this for this, you know, the next game when Becky Burley took over, like you, whatever happened there, you can tell there's a story there, right? Then you look at, you know, the Sid LaRue, you know, the personal thing she was going through. And I don't know why that became like a, a conversation on a co-stream podcast or a broadcast of one of the games, but it did. And people knew That's like off. the personal things that she was going through. So think about what she was, what was on her heart and mind as she was playing uh, as the private playing throughout this season. Then also think about Alex Morgan, who had to basically lend her entire like popularity and platform to make sure that Sinead Farley and Mana Shim could be heard. So like, and 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 we heard earlier that she was the one that was kind of pushing for the anti-harassment policy in the first place. So like, think about all of those things not as distractions, just things the team had to cope with. And I don't think anybody should really be patting themselves on the back for saying, "See, Orlando fell apart just like we knew they would." Uh, to me, that's nonsense. And you really, really are not adding in a lot of context that we know this is public knowledge. This is stuff that was reported. This is stuff that everybody knows. So, uh, so please add context when you do the analysis of some of these things. Because And if somebody's not, don't listen to them. Well, and I mean, I completely agree. Actually, and Andre, they fell out in the la- the second to last game of the season. There, Orlando has played 23 games and has been in the thick of it. There you go until this like until this loss um and i mean there were other you know i would say some like potential other factors that like might have been different for example if gotham didn't does not have 75 games in hand um (laughs) (laughs) that like just kind of throws a wrench into everything so yeah and i mean like orlando has been in the thick of it for the entire season and not only just for example andre what you've been talking about with uh, or what you mentioned, for example, with Alex Morgan and so the ruin, just also the like the players in this league as a whole, and the fact that they lost their coach and what was that like the first third of the season? Yeah. It was very early on. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So whoever is like patting themselves on the back of like I told you so, actually you didn't. Because also the thing that we we have seen this entire season that there are six playoff spots but there are eight teams that are deserving of a playoff spot and it's just orlando like didn't you know didn't always necessarily get caught like they just weren't able to completely finish the job but that doesn't mean they're not deserving of a playoff spot and the fact that it was their second to last game of the season that decided that yeah 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 that that, that's been frustrating to me but um 
we can move on and talk about Chicago getting a win over KC. Only two to one. Only two to one. Yeah, I mean, look, Chicago's been putting the results when they need to be. We take a quick peek at the table. Chicago is for, <laughs> firm and number four. So, like, Chicago's getting the wins. Still when they with need a negative the goal differential, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> I it makes no sense to me. If they end the season with a negative goal differential, <laughs> I like. <laughs> I mean, I know they lost the Portland like that five to... nil, right? With well, that five nil was brutal, right? But like, <laughs> like that was that happened early in the season, didn't it? Like, you should have been they're able the... to make that up by now. They're the only team above seventh. <laughs> yeah a negative goal differential and to be fair now it's only negative one but if they end this like if they end the season with a negative goal differential i feel like someone needs to like tattoo it or there needs to be a banner or if they make if or also if they make like an incredible run in the playoffs but like i don't know let's say they lose or tie um their final game of the season but like make it into the playoffs and if they do something crazy like win the playoffs because you know look all i'm saying is chicago women's sports teams are having a great time Shout out to this guy. But like there needs to be a banner or tattoos or something because that is crazy that they still have a negative one goal differential and are firmly in a playoff spot. Right. It is ridiculous. And also that also given context that the spirit don't have a negative goal differential, even though they got they forfeited two matches and so had their goal differential brought down by six. Right. That's the other like if there's any team in the that are that's currently in a playoff spot that you expect to have a negative goal difference is a team that had six goals shipped on them because of two forfeits. But no, that is not the case. It's just this season, man. It's just wild. It's just wild. It really took to me. It really shows that there are like multiple approaches in the NWSL to to basically survival, right? Like Roy Dames has that team playing some pretty intense defense. They have a terrific midfield. They have definitely signed, you know, own goal who who shut up for them again uh, against Kansas City, Facts. and so they continue to get some of that. But it's just like the 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 thing that they're writing is wild. And then you have like Gotham with the ancestral go posts, like some of the things that are like going on with some of these teams and how they're surviving. It's just been it's just been in terms of like what's happening on the pitch. The players are really bringing it, and it's been an incredibly fun and wild season for basically every team in the league. Like, there's a reason to watch every single team in the league. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, Chicago picking up them wins. Casey, I mean, they've been out of the playoffs. I still think they're, like, playing well. I like, Yeah. I do. I'm just yeah. like, they have, they somehow have, like, they have all the pieces, and it's still, to me, the, I feel like their storyline of the season is just, like, finding a way to, or at least looking towards next, next season, is getting all those pieces to click. Yeah. I agree. I think they could make some signings. I think they've made some good uh, trades. You know, getting Kristen Hamilton and Haley Mason there was really important um, to upgrade their attack. So I think they're doing some some decent things. Yeah, absolutely. Getting AD as a goalkeeper, that was really important because you've, you've actually seen their defense improve. And that's kind of the when you get a top class goalkeeper, good things happen. Uh, you stop letting in a bunch of silly goals. So yeah, I do, I do think that um, they have been. They have been good, uh, and I would like to see. I'm, I'm interested. I'm actually interested in what a lot of teams do in the offseason, but I think KC has me really peaked. You know, they are exempt from the expansion draft, so they can really do a lot of things, and uh, hopefully they can do some good recruiting uh, and get some players in there, especially since next season they're playing in Children's Mercy Park because Sporting KC finally started act, stopped acting like busters. Oh, thank freaking goodness. That that baseball field is going to be watching it this Friday uh, when oh. – 
or this weekend, at some point this weekend, the 22nd, whatever day that is, that is uh, when, Gotham, <laughs> when Gotham goes there. But, you know, that baseball field does, does some things. Um, but for our next match of the weekend, Andre, your Washington Spirit beat OL Reign 2-0. Straight up did not expect that. Just straight up did not expect that. I don't I don't really know or understand uh, how that happened. They played away at North Carolina on Wednesday. Then they flew from North Carolina to Seattle and played Lorraine Saturday. Normally, when you have a turnaround like that, you expect a drop off. They did not drop off. They did not have Andy Sullivan because she got she had she injured her knee. She's they tell me she's fine and she could have played in this match, but they didn't. Um, but she didn't. They were t- being very cautious with her, which is kind of a wild call to make because they were still at the time chasing a playoff spot. So to see them get in has been wild. And I'm like, I mean, <laughs> end of the end of the season awards are going to be interesting, right? Because pretty much Trinity Robin has rookie of the year sewn up. The question is, where does she finish in like MVP? Because she is, she is their like outlet when they have to pack it in and defend. They know that they can just knock the ball along. And if she has a chance to get to the ball, she's going to get to it. And she's going to be able to alleviate some of the pressure and she's going to end up putting the defense under pressure and making everybody run back uh, on the on the opposition. So, like, you know, she didn't score in this game, but she has been so instrumental to their attack. It's kind of wild to watch. So I'm I and like we were talking about with the forfeits as well. Like, I honestly do not know how they got to this point. I I think on the podcast and as we were talking about earlier, right, owning up to your mistakes, owning up to when you're wrong. I'm going to own up to when I was wrong because I thought that given everything that was going on with the spirit, front office nonsense, the COVID thing, forfeiting two matches, losing six goals, losing six points, you could just see the team like if the team was just like, it's too much because that is a lot. Like, honestly, if I was on the team, I'd be like, yo, what the hell is going on? So I was expecting them to kind of fall off. They haven't. They've done the opposite. And it's been like, I did not see this coming. It's kind of wild. And they become the third team to clinch a playoff spot. Yeah, I do want to shout out. I tweeted this. My save of the week is for Jess no. Fishlock's goal line save. <laughs> she took <laughs> away a Trinity Robin goal. Come on. But look, when you see that play and you see where she is running from and that everyone around her freezes and she keeps going and hits oh. the ball out and then almost hits her head on the dang post and falls into the net. <laughs> I was like, look, I'm telling you, even though I will say also, Kaylin Sheridan had a world-class save as well. But that... Yeah. <laughs> Jess Fishlock just I mean seeing since I had seen her in person like you just realize the like how hard she works every game and so when she came up with that save after seeing her in person the week or not the week before but like I don't know four days before um it like it did not surprise me at all it does pain me that it denied a Trinity Robin goal but also that goal line save is (laughs) so good um we (laughs) did want to shout that out but yeah Andre I think I don't know this what the NW like what the NWSL players have been going through um this entire season. I feel like for a lot of teams, and I would actually probably include the spirit in this as well, that and I actually and it kind of remain like reminds me of uh what Amani Dorsey said after um Gotham's game in Philadelphia, talking about like joy and how much joy that playing soccer brings to these players and so I feel like for the spirit players because all of the (laughs) the shit that was going on around them it not only bonded them together but it almost could have been like a 
this is our, like, these are going to be our moments of like certified joy or like joy that we know we can automatically bring ourselves by playing well and scoring and all these things. And so I feel like that just ended up working in their favor. Cause I mean, I was, I completely agreed with you a few weeks ago of like all the shit that was going on with the spirit. Like I would not be surprised. I don't think anyone would have really been surprised if they like just kind of sputtered out the rest of the season and didn't make a playoff spot. But the fact that they are the third team in the league to make a playoff spot um, and did it beating a rain team that was, you know, has been in uh, really good form, like hats off to them. And I completely agree about Trinity Rodman. I was trying to think of other rookies this year and I can't really think of any. <laughs> um, I mean, Emily Fox has been balling. Like, I mean, Emily Fox oh, has Fox been great. She's, she's been incredible for, for Ross and Louisville. I just, I just don't think that true. like anybody's had like any sort of impact as Trinity Rodman because she's just been ridiculous. Does Alana Cook count as a rookie? <laughs> no. She's not like a rookie in soccer, but she's a rookie to the league. <laughs> like would, is, Emily, I, I like, would I Ebony think... Salmon count as a rookie? No, no, this is like a genuine like no, question because you know weird things happen with the NWSL. No, and, like, I feel you. I, I think <laughs> I think it's yeah, I feel you. It's it's difficult. I'm gonna have to get the rules and, and I'll and maybe I'll get the rules and we'll review them on the next podcast to see who qualifies. I'm fairly certain you keep it to like drafted players, but I don't know that one hundred percent. So yeah. Um yeah. Well well I'll I'll do the research and I'll let y'all know. Okay. Well, yeah, I was like, if it's of dr- drafted players, 100%. Uh, Trinity Rodman, to me, has no better case for that. Even though um, Emily Fox has been balling out for yeah. Racing Oval, like, to me, there is <laughs> no one else has a better case um, than Trinity Rodman. So, so now let's move on and talk about your Gotham FC the shark, as y'all saw, saw me being goofy on Twitter, oh, uh, made the meme of, of the Jaws meme. Goth- I, I just felt like that's really the only way to sum it up, right? All these other teams are just kind of, they're trying, they're yeah. swimming hard, trying to make it to the shore. And Gotham is just down there, just big ass shark, just waiting, just waiting for one of them to slip up. Even if they don't slip up, Gotham can still win all these games and jump way high in the table. So like somebody's getting pushed out. I mean, if Portland didn't win... This past weekend, Gotham still had a case. They did. They still could have got the, the shield, shield right? Which is <laughs> wild. Fundamentally like wild. 900 games in hand. It makes no sense. It Honestly, that's the funniest part to me of how <laughs> they just have so many games. Like everyone's like the playoffs and it's like, oh, Gotham just perennially has one to two <laughs> games in hand. Right. Um, but yeah, 3-0 win over North Carolina. I mean, I can't lie. I was not expecting it. Um, but it seems like the, in- the most interesting thing to me about the games that Gotham has played against North Carolina this season is that the first half normally, like, isn't good. Like, it's a really, like, cat and mousey. Um, and then normally I feel like a team gets a goal, like, either, uh, like, a winning goal um, or, or like, honestly, I feel like a lot of the times is that North Carolina is, like, really, really strong in the first half. Or it's, like, cat and mousey and North Carolina is really strong in the first half and normally gets one goal. Um, and then the the past two matches that Scott Parkinson has been in charge of, which has been a 3-1 win and a 3-0 win. Um, he just finds a way to make like really good second half adjustments, which sitting in his post game, I did learn a little bit that it's um, he really involves the players of like, okay, what do you guys see is like very clearly not working, but what is working and, you know, kind of making those um, changes. And then Gotham just always decides to really turn up <laughs> in, in the second half. And of course, uh, you know, when, have Midge back on the field, you get a Midge brace, you get some really good runs by Efi. Um, very solid defending 
uh, even though sometimes a little ancestral, but at other times I will say it, um, some of those chances missed just like were just and the other player on the field. It wasn't like a clear ancestral, <laughs> like in the, in the way I think of the ancestors protecting Gotham's goal, some of the chances in the first half, I was like, nah, that's player execution. But you know, Gotham comes away with a three 0 win and they still have two matches in hand and we'll be playing two matches before the final weekend of the season somehow. Yeah, I was I was so there were a couple things from this match and one I was so sad for Lynn cuz she could have had a first half hat trick. Oh. And easily. I was so disappointed and sad that she ended up not getting a goal. You could see how much every single one affected her and it just seemed like one of those games where like she's trying very hard to score and she sees it and and it's like when you miss the first chance you put a lot of pressure on yourself for the next chance and then when you miss that one you put way too much pressure on yourself for the next chance you get and it just seemed like it just kept compounding and I felt so bad for it because you could see it really impacting her and I was upset and of course obviously everybody gonna run around with the narrative of oh she needs better in product is like chill man um but yeah she really could have and I remember I tweeted like you know Am I gonna go there? And am I gonna am I gonna talk about it? Am I gonna talk about Carly? Am I gonna talk about her? If if you'd like, to. <laughs> I feel if like you I want guess to. I, have to. I mean, if you talk about, I mean, if you think about a player needing chances to score, <laughs> she she right there. She it's it's truly. I honestly, I can't lie. I was shocked she scored because it was, I was also too, one of, because like, she looked. I was deeply surprised. Um, I mean, well. I don't know if I would say she looked awful, but she very much looked like she's just like Loki kind of looked since coming back where it's like either there, there are two state. things. <laughs> no, I'm saying what I'm saying is I'm tr- <laughs> don't get me kicked out of the press box. <laughs> what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say is where it's either that she needs several chances to score or that the normally the opposing goalie is like having a worldy of a performance and just continually denies her. Like th- to me, those are her two. Like those are what she oscillates from when she plays for Gotham. For some reason, on the national team, she can just like for the, sometimes, sometimes. Well, because they force she can the ball just score, to score, her. score, 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 yeah, score. They force the ball that, to her. That does not happen with Gotham. So I will say yeah. I was a bit surprised. Even though shout out to friend of the pod, Estelle Johnson, not an assist on that goal. Yeah. Um. But yeah, if you talk like if you talk about. Like, it's like, oh, everyone wants to talk about Lynn if she needs so many chances to score. And it was definitely, to me, like, it was just unfortunate that um, it was, like, the first one not on target, the second one, I also think they, like, weren't on target and things like that. Um, And so it's like, yeah, you expect her to put those away. But she's also, for example, not the only person on that field who needs um, several chances to score. Yeah, But one narrative is attached to one player, but the other narrative is not attached to the other player. Yeah, so what, what, what I was going to mention for, for me is that I looked at those missed chances uh, by Lynn and I was like, yo, Gotham is really lucky they're not down by at least two goals, right? Because they were having a difficult time, you know, attacking North Carolina and, and carving out chances. I think Carly got dispossessed a number of times. I don't um, want to talk about it. When she, <laughs> when she deeply, was it was to, deeply frustrating. It was really, really noticeable to me where I was like, yo, what is going on? Like if Gotham keeps, that's why I tweeted they could win this match, com- match comfortably, comfortably if they sub in someone else. And then, of course, you know, Midge and Evie combine. They ball out. They both, or Midge gets a brace. And you're thinking that's 
you know, that's good. And then, of course, Carly then scores their third. And then, of course, people keep trying to come at me for that tweet, be like, oh, look. And I'm like, yo, first of all, don't come at me when Midge just scored a brace, right? Midge got two goals. Carly missed a bunch of, got dispossessed, missed chances, was kicking the ball out of bounds and whatnot. Like, like, don't come at me with that nonsense because that first half happened. Okay. And it could have gone very differently. So just because she got the she got the third goal, and especially like you mentioned, that was a shot that you didn't necessarily expect to make. Like that's a low percentage shot. So that's a, and and credit to her on the strike, right? It was good, but that ain't the reason why they won that match. They won that mm-hmm. match because Midge went bonkers and Efi played a significant role in that as well. She didn't have much to do with that turnaround and Gotham getting those goals. So like I, I can't stand when people do that, and they and they tend to do it a lot when it's Carly because oh, it's this, this is kind of how how she goes as a player anyway, right? You're out there, and you're like, what is she doing? And then as soon as you tweet, like, yo, get her out of there, she ends up scoring, and then everybody's like, oh, you wanted Carly off the pitch. And I'm like, yeah, and I still do. <laughs> like, this didn't change anything <laughs> about how the first half went. The first half was garbage, and it could have been a lot better if she wasn't out there getting the ball taken from her. So that's all well, I have to say. I will say, so the thing that, and I tweeted this, and I mean, I'm whenever I'm wrong, I'm happy to eat my words. Um, so I did tweet I'm in the first half thinking, <laughs> um, I mean, if I'm clear, like, I mean, looking at that first half, I was very surprised that got, I, don't, I mean, I probably didn't tweet it because I feel like that's like a, a regular tweet of mine at this point. I'm like, I don't know how Gotham has, have not conceded. Um, especially with the, and like, yeah, some of it is finishing sometimes. Uh, some of it is like really good defense. Like I, like yeah. I know we joke about ancestral goalposts, but like Gotham's defense is very solid, very, very solid. Um, but one thing that I think really stood out to me was that the midfield at times just kind of seemed pedestrian. Like it was, a. Oh, and I think I tweeted, I was like, oh, it would be nice if Cujo was in, but Cujo, for some reason, has not been getting playing time. Cannot explain it to you. Please stop tweeting it at me because I don't know the answer, and it it is pain. <laughs> um, or like putting in, for example, Sodom Lee, like they're just needed, like North Carolina was on the ball too often, picking pockets too often, like getting Lynn, for example, in a lot of scoring chances, getting Dabinia in scoring chances, like Dabinia forced, I want to say two or three saves out of Kaylin Sheridan in that first half. Yeah. Um, so it was just like, <laughs> at one point I wanted to tweet out, um, but then I was like, let me not. Um, but I wanted to tweet out like Gotham's midfield and then it was just a picture of a Swiss cheese. Um, <laughs> because there were holes uh but you know (laughs) i will say like those second uh you know the second half or the tweaks at halftime really really did work and when you have players like ify and midge who can just completely turn it on and combine in spectacular ways that's how you can go from being like going into halftime nil nil and then all of a sudden it being three nil um and really having more chances, even though I will say, you know, Dabini did ball out. Like, Dabini was playing really well. And I feel like it wasn't that North Carolina also weren't playing bad. I just think when you have Efi and Midge running at a back line, there's only so much one can do. Um, yeah. And that, and I, I mean, it was nice to see Mandy Freeman back um, yes. in the match, which is really, really important because when I, uh some news that came out r- earlier today and we're I'm going to touch on this a bit later like Estelle Johnson won't be there for the Kansas City match um Gotham is missing a few players cuz it is an international break and normally there's no NWSL match in, uh NWSL action but because of 
Gotham's f- hilarious at this point um, schedule that they like had to play this match um, during the international break. So seeing Mandy back on the field, getting some minutes is good, but also in the post game press conference, coach Scott Parkinson did say that um, she had, she was ready for uh, like, she can be ready for a few matches and that they were just being like cautious. So that's definitely going to be something to look out for this upcoming match because Gotham is missing a few players. Yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's wrap up uh, the games that happened. Portland beat Houston 1-0. Uh, Houston is still in the playoff race, but just barely. Uh, Portland does clinch the shield, as uh, Courtney said earlier. Um, I just have a question about Portland and what they're doing with Crystal Dunn. I don't really understand why she's been on the bench. I hope that everything is okay with her, you know, mentally, emotionally. Um, I don't know if Mark Parsons is saving her for perhaps the playoffs. I don't really know what's going on there. Uh, I know Morgan Weaver and Sophia Smith have been playing very well up top. Uh, this seems like they have Christine Sinclair behind them, and then they have midfielders, um, you know, the, the typical midfielders behind. So I don't really know if this is like a tactical thing or what's going on, but I can say... That as long as Chris, if if Crystal is ready, available, and fit, and this is just a coaching decision, I hate it. Oh, one hundred percent. Me too. I I went out to Portland really to see Crystal Dunn play for a full ninety minutes. It did not happen. I was already angry at Portland's climate for ruining my hair, <laughs> and the fact that this happened, I was like, "How dare you?" If this is just like purely tactical, how dare you? Um, yeah, and I will also. I, Always want to give a shout out to Nichelle Prince, who was still falling yeah. out here doing things, just being, honestly, being a gold medalist, just causing terror um, and still like getting, she literally, is, her, her post Olympics run has been really, really good. Um, I know Sills tweeted about it and I was like, I sugary. Um, but yeah, Portland clinched, uh, clinched the shield. It would honestly would have been deeply hilarious if they somehow didn't. Um, <laughs> the fact that. Like either if oh, well, Rain got it or somehow in the craziest turn of events, yeah, Gotham, Gotham got it. It would have been hilarious, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I would have, I would have screamed. I, I really, I really would have screamed. Yeah, that would have been wild. And and honestly, the fact that the fact that Gotham even had a chance to do that this late in the season, hilarious. It's just so hilarious. funny. It's wild. So uh, I know, I know, Courtney did some math. She she's gonna let y'all know the playoff scenarios. I'm gonna run through the table and I'm gonna hand it over to Courtney because uh this is bonkers and uh and she's got y'all. So uh first, as we mentioned, uh Portland Thorns, they got 43 points, can't be caught. Uh they win the shield. OL Rain has uh 39 points. They're in second. Third place is Washington Spirit, 36 points. And this is where it gets a little bonkers. And as we mentioned, the Spirit also clinched the playoff spot. It just de- just depends on where they're going, to what seed they're gonna end up getting. But these next ones are the bonkers ones. You have the Chicago Red Stars at 35 points. You have Gotham at 32, but they have only played 21 matches so far. So they still have multiple matches to go and still have the chance at nine additional points. Uh, Houston Dash at 32 points. They are in sixth. North Carolina Courage are currently the, the team that are right uh, out of the playoff spots at seventh. They have 32 points as well. Tiebreakers are coming into play, so that's why Houston is on top of North Carolina, even though they have the same number of points. You have the Orlando Pride at 28 points. Of course, you have Rossi and Louisville with 20 in the ninth spot, and in the 10th spot, you got KC with 15 points. Yeah, so some really fun things at play. I did a lot of math yesterday. Um, 
And so basically there are two, well, there are actually several options for Gotham. <laughs> One, the, I think the least likely scenario is that Gotham picks up no points till the end of the season, but neither do Houston Dash and North Carolina, which means in theory for like five, six, and seven, where they are, that would stay the exact same. Um, but I don't, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I don't think Gotham's going to pick up no points, but I also don't think Houston nor North Carolina are going to go in and pick up no points. Um, but essentially, essentially, Gotham actually only need three points to make the playoffs. Doing some good math. Since they have tiebreakers. Andre, do you want to know <laughs> the teams that Gotham has tiebreakers over? Uh, yes, because I bet you it's amazing. So head-to-head, Gotham has tiebreakers <laughs> over OL Reign. The Spirit, Chicago, Houston, and North Carolina. Oh my God! They actually have tiebreakers over all of them. It don't make no sense. It don't make no sense. <laughs> I literally did. I looked at their season and I was like, none of this makes sense. For OL Reign, they have one loss, two wins. For the Spirit, they have uh, <laughs> uh, one tie, one win. For Chicago, they have one tie, one win. Um, for Houston, they also have one tie, one win. And for North Carolina, they have one loss, two wins. Um, and so I think wild. Yeah, or maybe for Chicago, they have like two ties, one win. But they have all of these tiebreakers over all of these teams. Uh, but Gotham, my most likely scenario is that Gotham picks up at least four points, which is what they need to be firmly, firmly secured. Because with three, they're secured. But that also, for example, relies on... Um, but I did that math with thinking Houston is... There's a good chance that Houston will win and that North Carolina will win because they know that they need to win to have a really good shot at the playoff spot. So Gotham, if they pick up three points, um, they will be firmly into the playoffs. But four, you know, just super safe. But for me, the most chaotic scenario, which would be deeply hilarious to me. It won't be hilarious to you, Andre, but it's deeply hilarious to me. Is if Gotham picks up all nine points from their remaining three matches, which will catapult them to 42 points. Uh, (laughs) Or sorry, they will be at 41 points. And with that, if, I mean... If OL Reign loses and does not pick up any more points, or if they only tie, Gotham will sit at second in the table and get a first round bye in the playoffs. <laughs> that is now, to me. Keep in mind, you also need OL Reign to lose to Kansas City on uh, well, no, October thirtieth, right? Well, no. If OL Reign ties, they'll only go up to oh, forty. Yeah, yeah, if they draw, but Gotham yeah. will have a point. Uh, <laughs> they'll just have a point. <laughs> it don't make no sense. It's deeply hilarious. No, it literally does not make any sense. Um, could Gotham pick up all, like all uh, all three points from their remaining three matches? One hundred percent. But I will say I think it's more likely that maybe they will pick up um, either six or seven because they're playing Kansas City at home, and we know that what that can do to teams sometimes. So they're also playing Racing Louisville twice <laughs> in like uh, basically in five days. They're playing them once at oh, they're playing them away, and then. For the final match of the season, they're playing them at home. So, so here's my which is thing. kind of bizarre. Yeah, and this here's kind of my thing about what that means and like the macro level. It's kind of wild to me because you know we all, especially at this point of the season, you know when you get a halfway halfway through the season, especially when you're coming down to like the the end winding down to the end of the season, and obviously particularly now, you look at the table to be able to get a gauge on who are the good teams, who are the bad teams, and obviously. You know, the table's been pretty secure at the top and bottom, and it's always had kind of this jumble in the mix uh, in the middle. And that's what's been interesting to watch. And that's why this playoff race is so interesting. But I think it's also 
made people underrate Gotham. Because I remember the talk early in the season was all about, you know, Gotham is being very lucky defensively. They're not letting in goals. But look how many points they've gotten and look the position they're in. And they still have, what, three matches against the bottom two teams in the league. So they've accomplished this and gotten these points over over majority performances of everybody else. So they haven't even had what are what are technically supposed to be, and I I'm putting it in air quotes because we know what KC can do, and we just saw uh, Rossing Louisville Ebony Salmon go off. So I'm not saying that these teams aren't good, but if you're just looking at it purely from like the table standpoint, theoretically these are the two worst teams in the league, and Gotham hasn't really collected points off of them the way others have had the opportunity to. That's wild to me. Yeah, I mean if we're thinking about Gotham's mat, actually the Gotham's two matches against. Um, racing Louisville and Kansas City, one piece they haven't been playing racing three times this year because table nonsense. Um, they both tied. Like when Kansas City came to Red Bull, um, I think what it was, um, Mariana LaRoquette got like a banger goal and chipped uh, the keeper oh, from yeah, really far that out. Was bonkers. Yeah, <laughs> that was a 1 1 tie. And then for racing Louisville as well. When they came to Red Bull the first time, uh, it was also a one-one tie. So you know Gotham's like really going to need to, and like also it's the type of thing now where because racing in Kansas City are at the bottom of the table and know that there's no chance of them making the playoffs, it can be the very much the disruptor mentality of like, oh, we just want to shake things up, we want to make things hard for players, um, which very much could happen. But I also will say if. Especially for this Kansas City game, I predict that front three because Carly Lloyd won't be there. Because um, also for this Kansas City game and then the following game, Gotham won't have, at least right now, Estelle Johnson, Kaylin Sheridan, Evelyn Vians, and Carly Lloyd. So I do predict that front three for Gotham will be um, Midge, Ify, and Paige Monahan. And so <laughs> having that front three, woo-wee, uh, it'll definitely yeah. can be some fun things to watch. Um but yeah, Andre, I just want to run down some things of Woso around the world because we're about to get into an international break. Yep, yep. Let's do it. All right. So we have an upcoming international break, and I'm just going to run down some games that I'm really, really excited to watch. Uh, first thing is Canada. They're on their post-Olympics victory tour, and we will see um, Canada playing New Zealand on for two matches over the international break, which I'm really, really excited about. Um, not only will it just be fun, but also... You know we stand the black players on the Canadian national team. So and also Kadishu Buchanan has been balling. He's <laughs> yes. been scoring so many goals for Lyon. <laughs> Don't make no sense, but I'm thrilled about it. Uh so hopefully she continues getting more goals. I'm also really excited for another two game matchup, Brazil versus Australia. Which to me, out of like the matchups of this international break, that's the most interesting. Yeah, that one's gonna be bonkers. Yeah, I am super excited for that. But then we also see uh Two, a few more two-legged matches uh, or like kind of, you know, they play each other twice over the international window. We'll see Jamaica versus Costa Rica. And then we will also see the U.S. Women's National Team versus South Korea. If you have been living under a rock somehow, you know that these are Carly Lloyd's farewell games. Um, but also we, for example, do have a few new players in the mix since Crystal Dunn and Kristen Press decided to not play in these matches, which truly hats off to them. Um and, you know, just taking some really much needed time off. Um, and so we might, like, we'll see if, you know, a few new p- faces in the mix and a few new faces at Outside Back as well. We need to see more cat because I don't want to, you know, get want to derail the international break. 
uh, conversation and running through the games, but she has been absolutely insane with Leon. You need to check out, scroll through our timeline and see that that uh, goal that she led to. I think Pearl Moroni actually ended up scoring it, but just keep mm-hmm. your eyes on her and watch her movement. The way that she She's reads so things, good. darts into space, makes a pass, cuts behind a player, darts into space again, controls the ball. I mean, she is outrageous. She... <laughs> We say it every podcast, but she's got she has to be the face of things moving forward. It is bonkers how good she is. It is absolutely unreal. Something I would love to see. And I don't know how this would work, but her and her and Crystal playing as dual number tens. I just want to see it in my life. Oh, we anyway. Can do it. <laughs> it's possible. Vlaco, I know you're listening to this. Do it. Um but <laughs> Uh, man, that's what we call manifestation. Um, but then to round out the rest of the international break, we're actually seeing some UEFA World Cup qualifiers on um, on the women's side as well. And some of them will be available on Paramount Plus. Um, and some matchups that I'm interested in seeing um, is Germany versus Israel, Ukraine versus Spain, England versus Northern Ireland. I'm very curious about what the England squad is doing. Um Italy versus Croatia, because we haven't seen Italy in a while. Uh, Ireland versus Sweden, because also always curious about what Sweden is doing. Um, and then Norway versus Belgium, which I think will also be a really, really fun matchup. Uh, so that's what's going on with some Woso around the world. But now it's time for Heated and Hyped. It sure is. Now we're going to do it a little differently because we got a surprise for y'all. Uh, and thank you for sticking around uh, to this part of the podcast. We are going to make it worth your time. So I'm going to have Courtney drop her heated and her hyped, and then I'm going to finish it up myself with some heated and hype. So Courtney, what has got you heated? And then roll right into what got you hyped. Yeah. So what has got me heated, um, besides all the talk about a biennial World Cup happening, first of all, why? The World Cup, like, don't don't break things, if, like, or don't fix things that aren't broken. No one is ever mad of, oh, we don't have enough World Cups. Like, stop it. <laughs> so like, literally stupid. just stop it. And also, like, what makes me most my, most tight about Biennial World Cup is that this means that the priorities of the women's game are still mostly shifting to national teams as yes. opposed to shifting to the club game, which is where I want to see the women's game grow is club there. Teams I want are, to see are where them you're going to get the most development. It's so stupid. But it's also where the most development is like really, really needed. Like for so many of these, um, for several countries, like, you know, they are still, they're really putting a lot of funding into their national teams, which is great because women's football across the world needs more funding. But I really, really want to see that funding go towards like the clubs, do a club world cup, do, you know, break out that infrastructure. Because also that's the infrastructure that's really going to continue growing the game of creating, for example, academies and youth systems and all of these things. That's where it's needed. And then the other thing that's got me tight is this technical advisory group, which has been tweeted out. Um, and what's got me most tight about it, and it's a technical advisory group that has been formed by FIFA to focus on the growth and advancement of women's football. This was, And it's being led by Jill Ellis, which I'm not even going to go into that. <laughs> what's got me tight is the lack of representation for team, like countries outside of CONCACAF, but also just like we only have um very small representation from South America we have um like one player to represent all of Asia and then um and then we only have like one or two people reser- um representing all of Africa and so what's got me tight about this is looking forward we need to make if if we want to grow the game at let's say the right way there needs to be 
equal seats at the table for players, like players, administrators, referees from all parts of the world. Because also when I really think about what we really need to do to grow the game, if we're talking about it from a global perspective, that needs to be the focus on places where there aren't already infrastructure, um, whether that's from the national team systems or clubs or, for example, in the U.S., college. That needs to change. But also just there are so many players from the U.S. And I'm so confused why Alex Morgan and Lindsey Horan are both included. Like it's it's all very confusing to me um, of, you know, who's really getting the seats at the table here versus who isn't. Um, and there just needs to be more black and brown faces all throughout this. Yeah, I completely agree. It's 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 one of those things, right, that's very annoying because it's about like these players and these like who's represented from these countries are going to be making decisions about other countries and what they and what's best for them when clearly they're not going to have what's best for them on their minds. Like some of these players might be like, yeah, dope. You know, a, a World Cup every two years works for me because that's when they get more endorsements. That's when they get more notoriety. But do other, you know, do, you don't have the representation to say like other, you know, teams or other nations might be out there like, yo, we can't really do this. Like we don't have the infrastructure. We don't have the funding to be able to do this. You know what would really help us? Y'all helping out on the club level so that we can have like a domestic league and we can build up from there. So like obviously FIFA's doing this because it's a money play, but it is such an obvious money play. And that just seems to be like the thing to do in football because it's all like hyper capitalist now. It's so frustrating. This is such a dumb idea. I am so mad it has traction. Yeah, me too. And I and I know uh, when it was announced, at least on the men's side, the one thing I am hoping is that these FAs are not just thinking about their men's team, but also thinking about their women's team. And so if they're saying no to a biennial world cup for the men, it needs to be that same no for biennial world cup for the women as well. Um, so yeah, things, honestly, things just got to do better, but unfortunately, whoever is leading FIFA, I'm not super confident about it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, moving on, let's actually have you tell us what's got you hyped. Yeah. So what's got me hyped? Look, I watched the Chicago sky win this past weekend and what secretly got me hype actually is not even that they won. I mean, I'm so happy for Candace Parker, um, coming home, winning, like it's a great story, all things. Um, if you want more of my feelings, I actually recorded a podcast yesterday that was tweeted out, uh, on Tuesday, delving into it a bit more. Um, but what, <laughs> what Loki has me hype is that it's like Chicago, um, the sky just kind of playing into so much of the controversy that happened after they won of, you know, Phoenix Mercury players not showing up for media, all that stuff. But the fact that they brought that door <laughs> onto, it's the they brought the door <laughs> with them on the parade. Because if you don't know, Diana Jirasi got real mad and broke a door, which like I have other feelings about because they're playing at a college. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just like, you know, not necessarily the biggest college. Uh, but the fact that they brought that door. That's got me hyped. That is hilarious. That is funny energy. That is good. When we talk about rivalries and funny things in sports, have energy for that. Not poking at, like, not having, like, uh, super negative energy towards, or, like, attacking one player. But just, like, this crazy thing happened, and we're just going to roll with it. That's a good energy to have. Yo, I love that. When they tweeted the photo and basically used it as promo for their rally and parade, I was on the floor. The fact that they brought it was just funny enough because we saw all the photos and then the fact that it was like <laughs> in their promo tweet it just it's just the best thing that like the WNBA is so dope and and shout out to Kalia Cop Copper the uh WNBA finals MVP she balled out all series there's KFC. also a great photo yes KFC there's also a great photo of her which we need on a hoodie 
if you're listening, drop us a link. I, I've been to like Redbubble in a couple places, uh, but I don't think I've seen. I think I think we can do better because some people just took the photo and uploaded it. I think there's a more artistic and funny way to do this. I need it on a hoodie. I want to wear it. I want to commemorate the, that moment, uh, celebrate that team and Copper herself because it was hilarious and they deserve it that team was so hilarious yeah shout out to this guy uh i mean truly so thrilled for them candace parker seeing the photos of also her daughter layla when she was very small to now she's so big i was just emo all around um but andre what has got you hyped and heated this week so the reason why we did it this way is because i got uh we got a little a little treat for y'all um because and it's and it's courtesy of me being stupid so this is what's got me heated um I'm thankful that they moved the championship game in the NWSL. They needed to. Um, that was the first one of the first things they did was actually listen to the players. And what do you know? You can actually tell Merritt Paulson no. Uh, so they ended up doing that and moving it to Louisville, which was dope. And they released tickets. And I was like, cool, I'm going to get mine. I know I'm media, but I don't know if I'm going to get credentialed. It's my first year covering the league, yada, yada. So I'm like, I'm going to buy a ticket just in case and see what happens. Went through the process. Was like, dope. I got my ticket. Everything's cool. Oops, I bought two. Because I'm stupid and I don't pay attention to things. So I got two. My bad. That got me heated. But I'm hype about being able to do this because if you are listening and if you are you want to go to the NWSL championship game, if you will go to the NWSL championship game, I'm talking to you specifically. What I want you to do between now and I don't know what we'll, we'll tweet more details about it at some point, but I don't know when there's going to be like the deadline for it. Cause I know if you have to travel, you have to make arrangements and all that business. So I'm not going to, it's not going to last a long time, but if you want this other ticket, I want you to donate to the black women's player collective, go to bwplayercollective.org and donate. When you donate screenshot that donation and send it to the diaspora United account is at diaspora UTD POD. Do that, and what we're going to do is collect all your names. I'll give you a little bit. Maybe we'll do it at like the end of the week or something like that, but we'll collect, collect everybody's name, put them into some random like generator thing, and I'm just going to like spin a random like virtual wheel, and whoever wins the ticket, well, I'll just send you the ticket, and you can go to the game on me because I'm stupid. So really hype. Now remember, make sure you donate to the Black Women's Player Collective. Donate to them directly. Take a screenshot. Send it to the Twitter account. And that'll get you entered into the raffle. So thank y'all for listening. Go and donate to the Black Women's Player Collective. And we out of here. Thanks so much. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Thanks for listening to Diaspora United Podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Diaspora United Pod. That's Diaspora U-T-D-P-O-D. And message us if there's anything you want us to talk about in our next podcast. See you next time.